This is a podcast from the Business Times. When people think about investing in wine, it's not for all wines. It's for the small section of wines that we consider investment grade. And this is not the stuff that you're just going to be picking up at the grocery store to drink later that week or maybe that night. Wine is a physical thing. Someone needs to take care of it and someone needs to be able to store it properly for you to be able to eventually sell it. Many are worried about what 2022 might bring to their wine investments. But wine's clear capital preservation across the pandemic and its outperformance in 2021 may mean wine could very well be a hedge against inflation. And young investors are also turning to wine investment as a way for long-term stability within a portfolio. According to Cult Wines, which manages $440 million in assets and tailors wine portfolios for investors, a fine wine portfolio is compelling as a long-term savings mechanism and can produce equity-like returns with one-third the volatility. There are essentially a few ways to invest in wine. One, buy the winery and sell the grapes for profit. Two, buy premium bottles and wait for the prices to rise. Three, buy wine in barrels, hold them for two or three years before selling them to bottlers. Let's find out which may be the best way for you and whether it's even worth investing in wine during these volatile times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Helping us out is Anthony Chung, co-founder and CEO of Vinovest. But first, definitions. Even a neophyte knows wine investing doesn't mean the bottles you're getting from the grocery store. So what exactly are collectible wines? age-worthy wines, and investment-grade wines. When people think about investing in wine, it's not for all wines. It's for the small section of wines that we consider investment-grade. And these are wines that we see have three main qualities to be really considered investment-grade. So the first one is the ageability of the wine. The wine needs to have longevity and be able to have a track record of appreciating in value. Take a brand like Chateau Lafitte, They've been around for a few hundred years, so we know based on previous vintages of that bottle that it has the potential to age 20, 30, even 50 years. So that gives it the time horizon for an investor to be able to hold it. And the final factor is the brand equity, especially in luxury goods. The branding is everything, right? Why do we pay more for a Chanel bag versus a Louis Vuitton bag? It's all in the branding. We look for wineries with really strong international global demands which translates to a lot of consumer demand as well. And how important is it to at least have some knowledge of wines? Maybe be a drinker of it before one starts investing? Obviously, it's best to know how to figure out what a fine wine is at the barest minimum. Yeah, that's certainly something that I myself encountered in the beginning a few years ago, because I really wasn't much of a wine drinker or wine connoisseur, and I really didn't have a wine background to be able to know is this considered a fine wine? Is this considered investment grade wine? And just given my background in technology, I defaulted to numbers, right? The good thing is that the wine market is very old. There's been several decades worth of pricing data, sales data, auction data that you can then be able to rely on. So it's black or white. Look at a wine's past track record over the past 10, 15 years, and it's positive, giving you returns every single year. It doesn't really matter what one bozo says or another wine critic says. It's going to deliver you returns, and that is what makes other potential investors who may have zero knowledge of wine a lot more comfortable dipping their toes into this asset class. There's no such thing as free lunch and no such thing as a free drink. 
there've always been deterrents to investing in fine wine. People think they need a wine fridge, need to have knowledge like a sommelier, need to be wealthy, etc. Unfortunately, a lot of it is true and that's why fine wine for the most part is is largely inaccessible to most investors, right? You do need a certain level of wealth to be able to get started if you're doing it on your own. You do need the storage, right? A wine fridge that can hold a few hundred bottles can be many, many tens of thousands of dollars, right? Not only buying it, but upkeeping it, having the insurance for the bottles as well as having the right cooling and climate control for the bottles. And then that's just the physical infrastructure. when you then talk about the knowledge that you need to be able to know which wines to buy and then perhaps the hardest part is the access to the wines to buy even if you had say $1000 you knew exactly which bottle of wine you wanted it's not like they're readily available many of these wineries have wait lists or distribution lists and you have to know someone who knows someone to get there so really a lot of these preconceived notions about the wine world are unfortunately true it's really only available to a small subset of us today and A big reason why I created Vinovest is to change that narrative. So it's looking like wine investing is not as straightforward an investment as shares in a company or government bonds. But like all investing, due diligence and a measure of interest is required. When you're comparing wine to more traditional assets that everyone is a little bit more familiar with, right, like equities or bonds, there are certain nuances to wine that aren't really present in equities right the storage component i think is one of the biggest ones right if you buy a share of a stock you have zero storage concerns right it's fully digital there's no cost associated with holding a stock other than maybe what your financial advisor is charging you whereas wine is a physical thing someone needs to take care of it and someone needs to be able to store it properly for you to be able to eventually sell it So those are some of the nuances that I think people need to be able to understand and get used to to be able to feel educated and comfortable diving into this asset class. Boy, Anthony wasn't kidding when he said there's no such thing as a free drink. But given one will not be able to uphold neither the experience of drinking the wine nor actually the value of the wine once it passes a certain maturity, it's always been termed a wasting asset. What will be the point in investing then? wine is something that has a very low correlation to equities can be a great protection against inflation protection against market downturns and that's why so many of them have chosen to make it a small percentage of their overall investment portfolio you bring up a great point with the wasting asset classification it's a formal legal term wasting asset doesn't just mean it's a waste and because wine technically has a shelf life the definitions about 50 years old is when a wine becomes deemed completely wasted and depreciated but because it's a wasting asset in many countries such as singapore hong kong many european countries as well as the uk it means that buying and selling wine is completely exempt from capital gains tax so when investors are looking for opportunities when you have a tax edge or a tax advantage that can help give you alpha on top of other investments and this wasting asset law is actually very very favorable for asset classes like wine. Still to come, how much has economic volatility affected your wine investments and what is the industry's outlook for the rest of 2022 and beyond? Market Focus is your weekly look at markets in Singapore, the region and beyond. From the Business Times podcast editor Clarissa Montero, the BT News Desk and the Singapore Exchange. Every Friday at 2 p.m., go to bt.sg/podcasts to download. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times.
We've been talking about alternative assets and collectibles for some time, and what comes up always seems to be the passion versus profits argument. Are you in it because you really love it, or just because you want to make money? Neither are wrong, but which is the best approach? I think a lot of people have different opinions on this, but especially when it comes to alternative assets, passion is certainly a factor. Why are some people maybe more attracted to real estate or other people are more attracted to cryptocurrency or maybe arts or like you said, a car or watch, right? A lot of these esoteric asset classes come from people's passion and people's hobby. We have plenty of investors who you know, are wine enthusiasts, but because we position this as something where we want it to be separate from their taste or drinking preferences, we're hoping that can distract them from wanting to take a couple bottles out of their own cellar. The global economy has been on a stomach-churning roller coaster ride this year with higher-than-expected inflation. But interestingly, fine wines is not only very much in demand, some experts say that investing in fine wine makes an excellent hedge against this kind of turbulence. But while wine prices overall remain relatively stable, the wines that are selling best land at the pricier end of the scale. Since we have been in a high inflation period for the past few months, we've been able to see in real action how wine prices are able to help to outpace inflation. When it comes to inflation, a lot of times the assets that do the best are commodities, right? Because they are items that are used every day by a lot of people, and those costs are usually the first things that go up when inflation rises. Wine is no different, right? It's an agricultural product. There's a lot of basics like electricity, like gas, labor that go into the cost of a bottle of wine. So we've certainly seen wine outpace the inflation over the past nine, 10 months. Our entire mission is creating more accessibility for these sort of high-end or elite asset classes like wine and fine whiskey. You can start with as little as $100 to be able to buy your first bottle of wine. We have an open marketplace, so anybody can choose to buy whichever wine they want at whichever price. And what we'll do is take care of the payments, the matching with the counterparty. We'll take care of storage, insurance, and everything that would make it very cost prohibitive for somebody to start. It seems wine investment funds are having a moment again. After the collapse of several such funds a decade ago, triggered by the abrupt Chinese retreat from the luxury wine market, they are again coming on strong. And what about fractional investing? Is that something the wine industry might see in the future? just so Joe Regular can get in on the action. So right now we don't have a wine fund per se. People are purchasing individual bottles or cases of wine. So what that does is gives people a little bit more control over what they want. Every investor can have a customized portfolio or a wine collection that they can call 100% their own rather than a pooled fund, which shows that everyone has shares in something that may have a lockup period or may have other restrictions from a legal and compliance standpoint. I think fractional investing has a great place in democratizing asset classes, especially for ones that have a very high nominal value. So examples of that are real estate or art, where to buy a commercial building, maybe you need five, $10 million. That is almost impossible for a retail investor or even a high net worth investor to fully go in on themselves. Same with you know a million, multi-million dollar piece of art. The good thing about wine is that even the most expensive bottles are maybe thousand, maybe $10,000, but a lot of investment grade wines are in the hundreds of dollars. So it's not as necessary to fractionalize them because the cost to fractionalize something that is $100 is same as the cost to fractionalize something that's $10 million. 
So those economies of scale that you get, say, for example, with a commercial real estate building, make a lot less sense when you know, you're talking about a bottle of wine that's $100. Wine offers steady returns on investment-grade wine with low correlation to general market performance. So the outlook for wine investing for the rest of 2022 and beyond looks on the up and up, right? Yeah, so the wine market in 2022, as well as the past three, four years, has been really on a tear, mainly due to global consumer demand. The whole wine market, especially that luxury segment, is growing at 5 6% a year. And the really top brands, the ones that we deal with, are growing 12 to 15% a year. And that hasn't really slowed down because it's not that these wineries can make more wine to satisfy that demand. You're working with a very fixed piece of land, you have fixed acreage, and it's very hard for the winemakers to sacrifice their quality for quantity because they only have so much to work with. I really see climate change as both the greatest threat and opportunity to the wine world. It's a threat, obviously, because the weather patterns are getting a lot more volatile. Extreme drought followed by frost, followed by hail. It's very, very extreme that we've seen in these past few growing seasons. We've seen wildfires in Bordeaux, France, that have wiped out hundreds of acres earlier this year. And only maybe four or five months before that, record frosts, where many winemakers actually had to light torches around their vines to be able to make sure that the roots didn't completely freeze over. So for those reasons, yields are getting smaller and smaller, and that's certainly a threat to the future of those vineyards. When we're talking about opportunities, when you have lower supply and consistent demand, it means higher prices. And also regions that previously were maybe too cold or unsuitable to grow wine now are becoming, because of the more temperate weather, a lot more of an up and coming region. So take a place like the UK, for example talk to an average person, there's no way that they would think that the UK is a suitable place to grow wine. But actually, they started making sparkling wine and the ratings are quite good for those. While today, the UK might not be a wine investment worthy region, looking at next 5, 10, 15 years, that could definitely be a possibility. There's definitely goods and bads to any situation. We're seeing a lot of the top winemakers start to purchase land a little bit further up north, right? They're kind of seeing that as their insurance line on the future in case, you know, maybe right now, right? Napa Valley is getting hotter and hotter, for example. Maybe the wine quality is not going to be up to where they want it to be in, in the next decade or two. So the ins and outs of wine investing and whether this asset class is a good hedge against inflation, sure looks like it, just don't drink your investment. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.